It's time for New Wine, hosted by Father Timothy Foy and produced by Cassock Media. Father Foy is the sort of homilist you'd love to have in your parish. With a mixture of logic, reason, and humor, Father Foy knows how to get the Catholic Church's teachings across to the common man in a way everybody can enjoy. Now here's Father Foy. Happy Epiphany, Merry Christmas. You know, I was checking out the latest science news, and I just was blown away by this professor from Illinois. He's outlined a plan, a theory, on how to build what's called a stellar engine. Essentially, it's this it's this space station that if the Earth or another planet was threatened by behemoth asteroid or supernova, well, essentially, the stellar engine is this space station that's hooked up to the sun. It's like really close to the sun in orbit of the sun, and it, it basically receives the gases of the sun, exchanges them through, exchanges them through this, these nuclear thrusters, and pushes the sun and everything in its orbit away. You know, over thousands of years, it moves them out of the way of these asteroids or supernova, whatever. It's crazy. It's just the thought that a small human could think of this just gargantuan, larger-than-life, star-moving reality. Just fascinating. And I thought, you know, what if we made a summer blockbuster movie? We could have, like, Armageddon Part 2. We could have some asteroid coming into focus on the screen, you know, and it's got a little timeline, you know, T-minus two months till impact with the Earth. And then we could have our, our, our hero. He'd be some kind of a loner, you know, some kind of a, kind of, kind of out of his luck. He's, a, he's an astronomer or a scientist, and he's kind of missed some promotions, kind of laughed off the stage, because he, he's basically put out there a paper on these Kaplan thrusters, these stellar engines, in a way which people just don't buy. So he's kind of you know, down on his luck. And let's say he's at a he's at a bar, you know, he's he's maybe he's crashing some billiard balls together playing pool, you know, be perfect for our asteroid movie, these old collisions on the pool table. And of course the news, you know, cuts into the regular programming and it shows this asteroid and how it's coming towards the earth and it's a little bit away and people are are scared and nervous. Another reporter comes on the screen and says something like well, we've got some good news. Uh, the government's been secretly behind the scenes working on building this stellar engine for, for decades now. Uh, there's just one problem. They're trying to get it to accelerate the process of how they could move everything, and they just don't know how to do it. And our, our hero could be playing billiards again and realizing, that's that's where I come in. You know, that's the part of this paper that I've been putting out there. People laugh me off the stage, but I know how to do this. And so he's trying to get out of that bar, but of course, before he can, there was some kind of ridiculous bar fight, and all these bikers are going at it, and they all end up in jail, and you know, he's got to get out of jail, and there's other kinds of difficulties. He finally makes it, you know, into the doors of NASA at the nick of time at the right moment, but it's actually the perfect moment, because before then, the right people wouldn't have been there, but now they're all converging, and of course, our hero can tell the right people how they can do something, and they can just quite get it done, and in the meantime, he's carrying his personal problems, and our hero wins back the love interest of his life, this NASA chief geologist, his ex-fiance, and everything is great. You know, I, we love these sort of bigger-than-Earth kind of stories for an action movie for the summertime, whatnot. But you know, uh, there's also something maybe even more kind of classic, maybe more predict of, well, predictably unpredictable in the sense of not just so much man versus outer space, but but man versus man. I mean, let's face it, you know, these outer space things, uh, you can sometimes see a supernova that's going to come at you, 
maybe it's 200,000 years in the future that it could actually influence you. Maybe you have to start trying to think about it. But, but these things, man versus man, they're, they're unpredictable. They're happening all the time. You know, they go back all the way to the beginning, these wounds we have um, between nations, between peoples. And uh, these things are just, they're equally potentially devastating to us, to our, our life and our, our world. You know, we need today's feast. The Feast of the Epiphany has the beginning of the answer. These magi, they, they followed the star, and they make every little manger scene in your house or, you know, outside of our church complete. But what they signify it is huge. It's groundbreaking. You know, the shepherds were the dregs of Jewish society. They, they were pretty quaint around the manger scene, but they were dirty. They were untrustworthy. They were illiterate. The magi... They were even worse. They, they were too literate. They read not only from books, but they read the stars, and they were known for soothsaying, being necromancers, for fortune-telling. These are all spiritually against the, the commandments, against the law. They were unclean in comparison to the Jewish people. And uh, these magi were from Persia, an empire with a powerful past that Israel just probably wanted to stay away from. No surprise that these magi would have King Herod on the edge of his seat Nervous, troubled, and the homage paid by the Magi, all people, to our little Lord, demonstrates that Christ, he is the king of everybody. He's the light not just to some of the nations, but he's the light to the Persians, and he's Magi. He's the light to the, all the nations. You read that message, the Magi, still today. They came from Persia. You know, that region is now today modern Iran. If you've been following the news, you know these last few days, what's been transpiring between the United States and Iran, at least what the news can tell us. And we've both been upping our rhetoric, both these sides of these peoples. But put all the current crisis aside. You know, our enemies, our country, excuse me, and Iran, they've been enemies for decades. Our cultures for thousands of years. It's not a new problem. But we need to remember that even as we protect our interests, we're all people. That Christ is the Lord of us all, that he's the Lord of the United States. Christ is the Lord of Iran. Especially given the unconventional capabilities that so many states, including Iran, they now possess, there's an added urgency that we push beyond the strategies strategies of yesterday. We live our Christianity more fully, more completely, more on, on fire. It's the only answer to long-term peace. We as Christians have it. We have a way in our faith that allows other people to, to live, even as we try to bring them into a greater amount of the truth, into the love of Jesus Christ. We have a way to respect other people within our faith. It's in the face of threats, actually, that Christianity's been historically successful at spreading. It's just these kinds of crises that enable the humanity of other people to be touched by ours. How they see us loving our enemies, praying for our persecutors, which we need to do right now. We need to be praying for Iran right now, loving them. Those are the hallmarks of Christianity. The enemy isn't always won over. But so many observers on the sidelines realize that Christians are serious about trusting in God. They're putting their money where their mouth is. They're looking for God to do something. You know, and so many millions in Iran actually want something done. They want freedom, many of them. It's not even so hard, perhaps, to see that this country is not just monolithically against us. The meaning of the word epiphany is manifestation. God is manifesting himself, and if we fight off our fears, we can always receive fresh insight. You know, that's where King Herod went wrong. He was so afraid. He couldn't have an epiphany. But surely the Magi and the Holy Family, their meeting in Bethlehem, helps us to see that everyone is connected. 
our stories, every one of the stories we have, each each personal story, somehow they're connected, they converge. One day, we will meet our maker. We will be assembled amidst the people of history, including these nations that we have fought with and feared. God won't be asking who started it. That's the wrong question. Rather, did we act to find an end? The idea that we could virtually pick up the sun and move our entire solar system, which we're actually considering in some ways in the scientific uh, minds, out there. it's monumental. But it doesn't hold a candle next to the idea of Christ to earth, and that Mary's ought to pick up God and move him. We could pick up our Lord. You know, we himself, we could have him himself in our own hearts. Having the life of Christ within us does not mean that we do not defend ourselves, but we do it as Christians in a way that contradicts the world's wisdom. This has been New Wine with Father Timothy Foy. If you've enjoyed what Father had to say, please write a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And remember to tune in tomorrow for the next episode of New Wine.